Yeah, well, it's cool that you got the uh, the jerseys up on the wall, and with you being a, a former NFL quarterback turned tech sales rep, you have a really unique perspective because they say athletes are competitive, and in sales to be successful, it's helpful to be competitive as well. So I'm really looking forward to talking about your journey, making it to the NFL, what that was like, and then, of course, the world of tech sales that you find yourself in here today. Yeah, awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, so why don't you take us back, David? When when you were in college, what was the point where you're like, man, I might be good enough to make it to the league? How did that work, that transition work, whether it be draft, free agent, and that process actually getting to a team? Yeah, so my so I kind of bounced around in college. Out of high school, I committed to UNR. Um, that was Colin Kaepernick's like junior year when I was there, um, and he was kind of that was that was. It was like a really good year that year. Um, but I realized I wasn't going to play there. I, I don't run a 4-4-40. I'm not fast. Um, should not have committed there, but I was super excited to get an offer, and we committed a little prematurely. But So I was only there for a fall, went back to junior college, and then um, didn't get anything until uh, my end of my second year. Went to San Jose State, and we it was like just perfect timing for me there's a lot of guys who had kind of been grinding it out the last three years with a new coaching staff establishing the culture um and then they needed somebody to just get them the ball that that at the end of their their junior senior year so um perfect timing and then i didn't really think about the nfl until after that year when one of our um people inside were like hey are you gonna make a decision I'm like what are you what are you talking about um Decision for what? Like, are you gonna are you gonna uh, enter the draft early? And um, I wasn't very active on Instagram or like Twitter then, so I wasn't sure what was kind of going on. There was like forums, and you would kind of see where you were ranked statistically. And I was always like top five. It was like Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater. We were all kind of up there. Um, and I wasn't. I wasn't gonna leave because we had a lot of guys coming back. So that that was when I was like, oh wow, this is this is real. I need to. Then, then after that year, you start getting the agents. Um, I got like insurance just in case like something happened to me and my draft status fell. Um, <clears throat> so that that was when it became real. But I'd always it was kind of I was fortunate enough to have like a coach that was a mentor and still like a role model mentor of mine, and he um, always had that in the back of his mind and all of my decisions of where I was going. So it was always kind of obviously a dream for me early on, but that's that's when it became real. Well, it, it's an incredible journey, and it's just a testament to your work ethic, making it to that level. I mean, it, it really is such a big deal going from really that high school level to college and then professional. So I think a lot of people would look at your situation and be like, wow, I'm I'm jealous. That's super cool. And, and I know we, I've had fun conversations with my friends thinking, man, w- would I be in this? This isn't in any disrespect, but being like more of a backup quarterback and like being on different teams, like there's less pressure on you, but there is still pressure because if you have to step in, let's say someone's out, you always have to be ready. So what is that perspective of someone that isn't necessarily given the ball, but needs to stay ready? Because I think there's so many parallels to life. How do you embrace that and still stay at at the top while being mindful of the quarterback room and just the dynamics of being in the league? Yeah, it's. I think it's hard, especially... I don't know what it would be like at like the high school level or the collegiate level, but most guys who've made it to the league were playing their whole life. So for them to then get to the NFL, and this was something I discovered and, and most guys go through, it's like 
you have to learn how to get reps and experience without getting reps or experience. And um, because there's limited practice reps, you're getting limited game reps, where before that you were getting in college and high school, you were getting all the reps, you were getting all the game reps, you had so much, you had so much experience and like, it was easy to learn stuff because you were taking all of that reps. Now, it's just a different way of learning. You got to be way more dialed in in the meeting room. You have to take reps after practice, before practice. Um, and those reps just have to be way more intentional. Whereas I think when I was a starter, it's like, uh, you know, like, oh, I kind of highlight the plays. I want to focus. But then the rest of them, it's like, OK, we'll, we'll get it'll be a rep for the team. But um, you just every rep matters when you're a backup because you don't get so many. Um, and. And then you just have to understand what you're there. You're ultimately there to help us win games and help the quarterback room. So understanding the dynamic, depending on who the starter is and who the coach is, just how you can add value to the room. Um, and fortunately, like I was around some really cool quarterbacks. I was around some really cool coaches that helped me kind of learn the process and, and put systems in place to just learn the playbook, get ready every week, and also how to be a good backup and how to support the room in general. And then – by doing that, you're putting yourself in the best chance to perform whenever you do get your your name called because you just you don't know. And um, some guys, there's just so I always say, there's like there's just so many good quarterbacks that never get a chance in the league because they didn't get an opportunity. Um, and then there's some guys who are getting multiple opportunities because they did get a chance. Um, it just if the a lot of it is obviously talent, but everybody's pretty talented in the league. But then it's also getting in the right opportunity and the right um, match in terms of like a coach and your playing style. So, but yeah, it's tough for guys, I think, to be a good quarterback, a backup quarterback. It's definitely an art. And, and I have so much respect for folks like the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world that just kept at it, stayed at it, and have been in so many different situations. Because I imagine just going to a new team, new system. Learning the playbook, I don't, I don't think that how hard, how hard is that actually when you go from one to because I know that you were on you you of course can see the Dolphins jersey you were on the Bears I believe the Lions yeah. the Jets some di some so, some different situations how tough is it to learn that new playbook? It's <laughs> once it's it was hard for me in the beginning because I never really handled the pass protection stuff so that was a big learning curve for me where like you'll you'll see Brady like they're pointing linebackers and safeties and they're making adjustments like some offenses ask the quarterback to do that and some they leave it up to the linemen to do it. So for me in the offense that I was in, I was having to re-mic. I was, I was micing the protection. I was micing in the run game. And that was just a whole another like playbook on top of the passing concepts that you have to understand. It's like, there's a whole system before we even snap the ball that I got to make sure everybody's blocking the right guys. That was yeah, hard for me yeah, because yeah. like, and you'll, and you'll see guys get slowed down if they're ever asked to do that because in college it's just, the game's different. We're playing fast. It's like a faster tempo. Um, defenses are a little bit simpler. Um, the NFL, it's a lot more complicated. So that was hard for me. But once you understand that and you understand concepts, and it's all the same. Nobody has like some special play we've never seen before. They yeah, just call yeah. it. They call it something different. They might. They might get in a different formation and send like a, a shift or a motion, but. You, for the you have a pretty good understanding once you've seen it all and you've been in a good system and a lot of these coaches have all learned from each other so depending on like what tree you're in you probably have some idea of what everybody is running um so it's not 
it's not too difficult once you get an understanding. It's just like, how can I learn it and play fast? How can I not mess this up, mess the code words up? Um, especially if you are a guy who hasn't been in, in like one place for a long time, you're going to go to another place. You're going to call this something different. Well, you called it this last year. So you just got to be able to, <laughs> to learn fast. And um, however you got to break it down to do that, that's, that's, that's the key is just being able to simplify everything. I think there's a lot of parallels to that. And let's say tech sales, for example, I know a lot of people listening are, are interested in that sales angle. So we're going to get to that. But I personally am yeah. a big NFL fan. And it's just super fascinating to hear your perspective. Because when you start at a new company and you have this complicated new product, you got to apply yourself to learn it and make sure you can get those those buzzwords and those terms to execute it the best of your ability like you are in those plays to make sure you're progressing and able to achieve the objectives on offense. So a few more football questions here that I just personally am super curious about. When I played football in high school, we, you'd get off the bus and, and you, you just see a few just killers on the other end where you're just like, man, like, I know that that guy's going to be a problem. And yeah. you're standing there hiking the ball and you've got Ray Lewis on the other side. You've got Khalil Mack over here. You've got all these different pass rushers. And, and you mentioned the, the, the pass rush. If you get it wrong or someone screws up, you're going to potentially get absolutely wrecked. So what is that like knowing that you're just going up against some just absolute killers on the other side? And, and, and any funny stories like that? Because I'm sure you have a lot of painful memories. Yeah, it's... um. <laughs> I think like I was always, that was what I was so nervous about early in my career. Cause even in like in college, I mean, you're going up against NFL candidates and once you're like in, in D one, um, and it's, yeah, once you kind of get over getting hit, you can play. I used to always say, I need to just get hit once, make sure I'm good. And then we're, and then we'll keep it going. But like, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's some freaks out there that it's just, it will never be fun getting hit from them. And, and coaches like good coaches, they kind of understand that. Like if you have a Khalil Mack or <clears throat> any of these freaks, like you're going to game plan to make sure this person does not ruin our game because they can like these, these defensive ends, if you put them one-on-one -on -one with a tackle, like some of those, they're not going to be able to do it. So making sure that you're sitting double teams there. Sorry, my kids are it's all good. They're, they're a part of the interview. We're, we're always rolling and uh, we don't edit out. I mean, we're here to tell the truth and be authentic. So I mean, that, that, that's what, that's what happens when you're working from home. Yeah. Yeah. He just got a dinosaur. He wanted to show me, um, but cool. I, you, you don't, um, it doesn't get easier. You just have to be, you, you can't uh, focus on it because, and you just know like what's, I don't know. I, I, got okay with understanding like i might get drilled and that's okay like i've it potentially could get hurt but probably not i'll be all right but it's i don't know it doesn't get easier this especially with some of those guys but you know like if you have an understanding of the past concept or whatever play protection like you can kind of know you're going to be okay like this guy's gonna to have to get through three people to get to me and if i get the ball off fast enough he doesn't have a chance oh you game planned around it but yeah it's it is it's it doesn't get easier when you got your guy in the deep post, but you got someone running right up the A gap, you're going to take a hit, but you're potentially going to get, get the touchdown. So it's just, I think it's what the greatest quarterbacks embody. Um, okay. So, so one other question I have that there's a parallel to, to corporate America is because a lot of people go between different companies and they think, Hey, the grass is greener over here, or may, maybe I'm just not in the right situation to your point. I get drafted to this team. There's just not the right infrastructure to support my skill set. 
I'm at this company selling this product. I just don't quite like it. I, I'd rather sell to human resources opposed to salespeople. What is that like being on different NFL teams across Miami and New York, Detroit? You're, you're in different organizations, different ownership structures, different coaches, different support resources with we have a good offensive line. We have a bad offensive line. We got great receivers. We have less great receivers. So what what is that experience going to different systems? And, and, and talk about your perspective of the role culture plays in the team and indivi individual success. Yeah, so fortunately for me, I was around Gay, Adam Gase a lot of my career. So I went, I had Tressman and Phil Emery. They were the head coach and GM when I got drafted. They ended up getting fired. And then John Fox and Adam Gase and Dow Loggins, they came in the next year. And that's like, I, I almost got cut that year. And then I ended up, Gase ended up liking me and um, <clears throat> stuck around that year, stuck around the next year. And he ended up going to Miami. And then when I got let go from the Bears, he knew I knew his system. He liked me when I was at Chicago, so I ended up going over there. Um, and it's just, it, it's very much, it is very similar to obviously like tech sales. Like you want to go to a good company with good product, um, but you also want to be around good leadership and have a good manager. Like I didn't realize that when I first got in is how much of an effect on your, like your career and your, um, success that your manager has on you and it's very similar to if you have a good coach or a bad coach you're either going to really enjoy your time on the on the <laughs> football team or you're not it's um very similar and fortunately for me i was around gays and he brought a lot of that staff over from chicago to miami to the jets and so i was around all the same guys for the most part for four-ish years four or five years um and i knew the system um and culture is everything and it's something it's hard it's hard to figure out you like we nailed it at san jose state it was like a leader led team like they everybody had bought into the to what coach mike mcintyre had and he didn't have to say anything the leader the leaders on the team the seniors already had everybody dialed in and it was so so fun because when you have everybody bought in like that it's like you can't be stopped um nfl it's different because the guys that the players are making more money than everybody in the building. And it's hard for <laughs> like that hierarchy gets a little bit confusing sometimes because you might not be able to tell that player something because he's probably going to be here and the coach might get fired if it doesn't go well. Um, and it, and it's just, it is hard sometimes to get that culture going, but the teams that do do it like the Patriots, Andy Reed, um, some of these coaches, you can just see it's the, the Niners, when they're rolling, like everybody's just um, flowing and vibing, and it's it's definitely the key to success. It's just a little bit harder to do in the NFL because you have to get buy-in from the top all the way down and make sure that you're paying the right guys because you pay somebody yeah. bad, you pay somebody sixty million for four years, and all of a sudden he's a different guy once he gets the money. It's it's like it's tough. Um, so it is, it is hard, but the culture is huge and it's, it's, that's just everywhere in anything that you're trying to create a like performing environment. There's so many parallels to this and, and sales. It's crazy because when you continue to promote in corporate America, let's say you get to this enterprise account executive role, you're getting, you're getting paid a good amount of money. And maybe all of a sudden you're like, I'm above, I'm above prospecting. I, I've got 10 accounts. I'm working. I've got all these resources. I don't need to pick up the phone. I don't need a prospect. And it's similar to 
a top level athlete that gets this big sixty million dollar contract. You're you're Lamar Jackson. You have all this guaranteed money, for example. What what have you noticed? You don't need to call anyone out specifically, but I'm sure some of these guys they get complacent and they 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 lose that hunger of of like what got me here was just such a great work ethic and putting in so much work. I've made it. I don't need to work quite as hard. What what tends to happen when you've seen that? Do do folks just drop off performance wise, or how does that work? Because I'm sure you've seen that of like, man, how did that guy get the contract? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it, it like your why on why you do things changes throughout your career, right? Like when I wanted to make the league just because I just it was my dream. You know, I love the game, I love the sport, and then then you get to the NFL and you realize how much of a business it is. Like if they don't really care that much. And, and, and I think that's a, that's even in college, like you have to perform and otherwise you're not going to be playing, but it's just, there's so much it's with money involved and the business aspect that just changes. And I think um, the guys that just have a good foundation of character and understanding of what they're doing and why they're doing it um, are able to handle the money, you know, I think once they realize it's not about the money anymore and they're like, I love this game and there's more to life than just money and, and, and everything else that comes with football, they, they are able to kind of do it. And some guys don't, some guys are like, they got the money and you, it's very easy to see. They change, they stop showing up, they stop working as hard. They've had more and more money than they've ever had or will ever need. Um, and it's like, why am I going to go bang my head into another person's head and, potentially jeopardize the rest of my life and you can kind of understand that as well but um i think i I, i'm i am fascinated as well but and i've fortunately been around some really cool quarterbacks that they've made the most money on every team and are the hardest working people and they just have good character they understand like what they want what they're doing um but i asked that same thing i was like i would ask like cutler i'd ask Tannehill, uh stafford like why you know (laughs) like what are you doing you know, like, but it's, it, the game is so, the football is so, and that's like sports in general, but I feel like football in the quarterback position, there is not many things like it. And you become addicted to everything that comes with it, the energy, the adrenaline, the camaraderie with your team, the, the, the attention. And then obviously the money's awesome, but those guys have already made more money than they'll ever need. Um, so I think that's why they do it. And and I didn't really realize it until you're out of it. And then you realize what you miss, you know, you miss, you miss the attention, you miss the energy, you miss going to a stadium full of hundred thousand people. You, you miss your guys. You miss going into like a modern day gladiator setting. Um, there is not many things like it. Um, there isn't anything like it. Maybe. Yeah. Not in a team environment like that. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that really does a good job of describing what sets people apart and why they are able to handle the money or the, that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm it, very intrigued by it as well. I think it's a, a natural human experience because I I've certainly had quarters in my sales career where I have a great quarter and then uh, maybe start waking up a little bit later or prospecting <laughs> a little bit less and all of a sudden you fall off and you say what happened here. And and, yeah. it, and it's just it's just enjoying the process to your point. And I, I I was thinking of football players as modern day gladiators as well. So I'm glad you said it. it. It's just so cool. I mean, there's there's so few games. Each game is so much importance. There's so many parallels to, to the sales game. It's crazy. But but I'm interested by this a lot more than than the sales stuff. 
I love the show Hard Knocks. I don't know if you've seen it much. It really depicts behind the scenes training camp and and these teams bring in all of these players that have aspirations of making it to the league and they get you emotionally invested in certain players and their stories and then inevitably they get cut and whatnot and, and it speaks to the business of the league and, it, and it's similar to how it is in the real world and in corporate america sales what have you done for me recently it's all about performance can you talk about that dynamic of just how important it is to not only perform at practice every day but also those games because that that's when it really counts but just talk about that dynamic of performance in the league yeah it, it is and it is very similar to sales and like what have you done for me lately because you get like 24 hours 48 hours to celebrate your win and then it's like okay but we're starting to watch tape on the next one and then you get back into your routine and it is everybody's jobs on the line you have to perform and it's like all right celebrate your win but it's like we got it the ultimate goal is to win a championship and one game isn't going to do that so um being able to have that perspective and understand what it takes to continue to show up and keep being that same guy every day is that's what the best do um i feel like for me and a lot of high performing guys in football I was I was extremely um, like fear based in my performance for the longest time, and even even towards the end of my career, it's like I would I would need to put the work in in order to convince myself that I'm going to be able to go perform on Friday or Saturday. Not like I under I have an understanding of what it takes to to put it in to go. It's like I'm kind of terrified after watching my tape last Friday or Saturday or Sunday, whatever it is. Um, that I'm not going to be able to perform like I did last week unless I prove to myself and obviously I got to prove to the coaches in order to show up. Um, and it's not, I think it's tough to be that way when you're like kind of a high anxiety person, but that's a lot of high performing individuals. Um, and, and you want, like, I think I'm becoming more aware of that now being out of the league, but, um, yeah, it, it's tough. It's a cutthroat business, but you people's people's lives are on the line fan coaches families are on the line so it's like yeah we won last week but if we lose the next three it doesn't matter what you did a month ago so you just have to understand um it's a business and that's part of the game yeah i don't, I don't know i never had a problem of like showing up every day and most high performing people usually don't they kind of have that understanding of what it, the ultimate goal is um so yeah I didn't look at the win loss of, of some of some of the seasons, but I know just by the nature of I, I think the Jets were actually pretty good the time you were there, and I know the Lions had Stafford, Dolphins, we were bad. Up, up, <laughs> up or down. See, that's what I figured. That's what I figured, yeah. just due to the franchises and 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 watching those teams. In yeah. sales, it's annual. If you have a bad quarter you can bounce back, but there becomes a point where you realize, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not gonna be able to hit this quarter in football. I think it's really interesting. Those low performing teams, they're not really playing for anything anymore. Whenever you get to the point where, okay, clearly we're not a super bowl. And, and, and if you take a step back in hard knocks, I, I think you can really see that in the spirit of the team. If you really know if you're a super bowl team or not, because maybe I'm wrong, but I think some teams probably know that they're not a super bowl team due to a variety of reasons. And like, I don't know how that changes the urgency and the practices and, and just the structure. But some teams, like, for example, the Lions one year when they went 0-16. When, when you're 0-12, you're not going to make the playoffs. I know that people are thinking, all the players, okay, if I show up well on tape, 
at least I might get an opportunity somewhere else, or maybe this will be it for me. What is yeah. that mentality when, when it's just, there's really no hope in sight because it's so hard. How, how do these teams keep showing up? Because oftentimes these great teams will lose to these underperforming teams that are playing for nothing because I'm sure they're like, these guys aren't good, but what is that mentality like in the locker room? And then also your perspective yeah. from a quarterback dealing with that. Yeah, it's, it is tough because I've been on a few of those teams, not like, oh, oh, and whatever, 10 teams, but I've been on some losing teams and it, it is bad because then you realize you're out of the playoffs and and you start, the culture comes into play, like what kind of guys do we really have here? But in the NFL, most guys have an understanding that like every, you're putting your resume out on tape. So there's going to be like your top tier guys that are locked in a contract and they're like, I'm not going to break my leg potentially in these last four games and and ruin next year. You know, there are some of those guys where they start having those conversations, but majority guys are not that and they are trying to make the team for next year. So like when you're on an O team, like they're going to think about like, hey, let's that's how I played with, with the Dolphins in, in 2017. We were out of the playoffs, so it's week 17. I was potentially going to play earlier, but it ended up not happening. Um but younger guys get opportunities and that's um it's just opportunities for these other guys to get your resume out there. So you're interviewing for the, all 31 other teams and everybody knows that. So it's, and it's so hard to get reps and opportunities. So, um, majority of guys who have made it to that level understand that there are obviously the top guys who are making a boatload of money and are locked into contracts. But like I was, I was never in a multi-year contract and not a lot of guys are. So, um, <clears throat> But yeah, overall culture in terms of going in one direction of winning a championship, tough. Not very good on a lot of those teams. And it's hard. It's hard for a coach too. This is, and I've dealt with this, like when you're losing consistently and it's in the, it's so hard to win a game in the NFL and then you just lose like five in a row. Like, what do you come and say to your guys? You know, so eventually you run out of things to say Yeah, because it's probably the same problem it was the last three weeks. So you start losing buy-in from the guys because they're like, we don't want to hear this. Like, we're grown men. We understand. We played football for the last 15 years of our lives. We know what's going on. It's just not clicking, whatever it is. Um, so it's, it is, it's just it's a tough environment to be in. But, yeah, stuff. Speaking to the former athletes out there, why did you decide to pursue a career in tech sales after you were done with the league? And, and what did that transition for you look like? Uh, so my brother was in tech sales and he's my best friend. He was a year and a half younger than me. Um, he's my backup quarterback and I played against him a few years, but he had, he had, um, joined zoom and he was here. He'd been in tech sales for the last five years. So I was always kind of in tune to what he was doing. Not, I was always in my own lane really with football, but, and I didn't understand exactly what I was, you know, he was doing, but, um, that was my introduction into tech sales. And then when I got, I got cut in 2020, Thought I was in October. It was like right before Halloween. Thought I was going to get signed that year. It ended up not happening. And then I had the conversation with my agent where I was like, I, don't, I haven't heard anything. And I didn't want to go to the CFL. I had two kids. I, at the time, XFL and the USFL weren't. I wasn't sure what they were. And I was like kind of ready to move on to this next chapter of my life. Uh, but so my having my brother in tech sales, he and there was other athletes and former athletes that I played with that were in tech sales. And I just started networking just like, just trying to be curious, learn a little bit like, what's your experience? Are you happy? Do you like it? Potential to make money. I kind of knew what my brother was making. Um, 
and he had gone pre-IPO, got in pre-IPO with Zoom, and I saw that, and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is cool. And um, so then all these conversations just led to opportunities, and I had enough opportunities that were remote, and I had my son was six months at the time, and ended up taking a, the role, the BDR role. I, with the networking, I realized, okay, no experience, you need to do the SDR, BDR thing. Nobody's going to give me an AE role right now. So understood that, and I just, I was like, initially was going to take a year maybe six months to just like figure out what i really wanted to do but then i was like i think i'm going to do tech sales and i probably should get this experience going because i don't want to delay this whatever timeline i needed to sit and seat as a bdr so um that's how i got with zoom the transition itself just for former athletes it was tough for me um the identity just so many things like we could talk for an hour on this like it was that the transition was tough um but how i got into, into tech sales i was just my brother and former athletes and it's been good um but yeah i respect the process because from the outside looking in i think that you just bring so much built-in credibility and respect because if you hop on a zoom meeting and that person happens to like the NFL, which is probably the majority of men. And I'm sure a lot of women you speak with, they're like, Oh my, did you play for my favorite team over there? And it's like instantly you're in, but then, so that's your identity is like, Hey, I'm, I'm this, I'm an NFL quarterback. Like I've, yeah. I've made real money compared to most people, but you have to, I'm sure it's humbling to then say, okay, I'll start at the bottom of the totem pole at this point, like starting basically this, this entirely new career, this new industry. So I'm sure it's really humbling. And then to your point of, of that camaraderie is like the locker room effect. I'm sure it's a lot oh, different than, than, than showing up to a team meeting Monday morning. It's just like, rather than listen to Adam Gaze talk about what we need to do better this <laughs> week. It's like, David, we um, need you making uh, more calls. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in with uh, my BDR manager and a bunch of like 23, 24 year olds. Yeah. Like, and I, I need to, I, I, stay connected with my BDR manager or previous, but I need to reach out to him and see like, what was it like? How was, how was I two years ago on those meetings? Cause like looking back, I was like, I was, I was in a pretty dark place just with that whole identity thing and stuff. It's like, I, um, yeah, we do like a role play. It's just like, you, and one of the people on my team was like, you sound sad. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. Looking back, I'm like, yeah, I probably was. I didn't uh, change my tone. Like, fortunately, I, I was able to set meetings. But, yeah, it is weird. When you've been in or around, like, just when my normal was just being around high-performing individuals. I was fortunately, I got a good college team. I was on yeah, okay NFL teams. But a lot of, I was around some really good quarterbacks, some really good coaches. And just, like, even the, the bad teams, like, you're just around a different type of individual who is goal oriented and is grinding every day. And for the most part knows what they want to do. And, um, then you come back home and you just don't have those people. And then I'm remote. So I'm, I'm kind of learning on my own. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, and then, yeah, all of a sudden now I'm, I'm not David fails the NFL quarterback. Um, David fails, the the, BDR or you know I just I like I walked around as the quarterback and now none of nobody really is like what team are what's uh when are you going to training camp when are you going to the team are you on <laughs> it just it, it changes and yeah it, I, I'm very conscious of not doing the same thing in this next chapter because uh, I kind of started out that way I was like all right what's the goal enterprise sales rep these dudes are making and they're making some of these guys are making NFL checks like that's the goal um 
but I'm just very conscious of not, okay, so let's say I reach the goal and then all of a sudden now what, you know, and I'm back in the same boat that I am with NFL. Like I reached the dream. I didn't really dream past the NFL when I was a kid. It was just like, that was it. And I didn't have anything past that. And then I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I got 40, 50 years left of my life. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> what, what do I even like? What do I really want with this life? And I don't want to just do the same thing. Cause I, I would have like an, addictive personality and we'll just like start kind of like diving into work all of a sudden and now i'm gonna grind for the next 10 to 15 years and look back and be like okay i did what i wanted but is this really what i wanted so um a little bit more conscious of just me and what i want and what i like and and trying to kind of create some balance yeah man i know it's really tough for former athletes to make that transition and and i know a lot of high performing navy seal guys talk about that is just losing that yeah. brotherhood that camaraderie and then being back to civilian life, but I know it's a little bit different being in the the room with Matt Stafford, um, and then and then you're with this 23 year old BDR that was out the previous weekend, still hungover, and you're just like, oh yeah. my god, like what 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 is going on here? So, yeah. final question for you, David. In conclusion, so I think a lot of people, especially in sales, associate themselves with their identity. Hey, I'm I just hit quota. I'm I'm a hot shot, or I missed. I suck. I know you, you you spoke to parts of that, like redefining how you think about your expectations, but but what advice would you have for someone out there that's dealing with similar struggles of, of, of hey, I thought I was this, but I'm actually not that, and, and finding just that meaning from within? Yeah, I think it's, um, it is tough. I, I find myself doing that too. It's like you close a big deal, all of a sudden I got to, it's a good day. You know, I don't yeah. <laughs> close any, I don't close anything for a month and now I'm like the worst rep ever and I suck at life and so I'm, <laughs> It's like, it's never as good as you think. And it's never as bad as you think. That's something that like, and that, that is so transferable to a lot of areas of your life. And then like being able to just kind of have, get some clarity on exactly who you are and what you want and your values. And then I think in terms of like the sales aspect, it's just like having metrics that you can measure that aren't, you're not just like guessing, you know, it's like, Hey, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, it's going to work out. And if not, like, you can look back on the data, make adjustments and, and keep going. But um, it is tough. You just have to understand what just get. And I don't know if I have the answer for this because I'm still working on it, but it's like getting clear on exactly what you want, having perspective outside of of just work. Um, you're more than just being a, a, a sales rep. Um, I'm a dad, I'm a brother, I'm a friend and understanding that there there is I, the quality of my life is not dependent on whether I close a deal um today or this month so it's tough though because obviously um your goals may you want to be you want a certain life and you and, or you want a lifestyle and you want to provide for your family so it's it's definitely understanding and it's tough but just you gotta be able to have perspective and again it's never as good as you think and it's never as bad as you think so just kind of figuring out a way where you can be even kill and ride that middle ground because that's usually when you kind of are in the flow and, and that grind but and it is tough well, David, I, I really enjoyed hearing your perspective here today and just appreciate you going in depth with your experience. I, it, it's super interesting to me getting an inside look into that world. And I know I try and provide that to other people just from a tech sales standpoint. So for anyone listening, you can see David's jerseys there. Go, go check out his highlights, but more importantly, <laughs> go check him out on LinkedIn. Is there anywhere else that you're creating content or talking that you'd like yeah. people to go check you out if they're still listening? I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter and, and I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm definitely trying to be more active and, and consistent. Um, 
but yeah, I'm on there. But I wanted to say thank you to you because you obviously were one of the people um, when I was getting into tech. I'm like, I'm on YouTube tech sales. And you, <laughs> I think you're kind of, I don't know if you that was the beginning or um, where you were in your, your stage of like creating content on YouTube. But it's definitely it seemed like the beginning versus where like the quality of your content now, you, you've definitely upped your game and it's been super helpful. But you, I was like watching all your stuff at the beginning. You're talking about cold calls and like your experience <laughs> at Calls Crit. Um, so I was like, you were super helpful, um, early and cause you were, there, I, there wasn't a lot of people creating too much content on the actual grind and date, like what was going on, yeah. um, in your role and you were sharing that. So definitely appreciate you and, and, and been following your stuff for the last few years. Yeah. Well, super humbling to hear you say that David and, and, uh, everyone can go check out my huddle highlights next and uh you can disregard my youtube videos if i used to be a defensive end so i would have seen you on the field i I would be coming for you david but only one and a half sacks senior year high school so i don't know if i would have got you but thanks so much for being here today and uh wishing you all the best oh man thanks thanks for having me i appreciate it